Now you got me. So, I'm back. Oikos Church, is it well with you? I thought about that song as Ashley was doing a great job leading us in worship. Just reminding myself that it's hard for it to be well with me if I don't think that Jesus is in my past, if I don't think he's in my present, and I don't think he's in my future. For me to really sing, it is well with me, I need to have faith that he's present in everything that I'm involved in, whether it is against him, he is calling me near to him, or it is for him, he's cheering me on. This morning we get to get into a chapter that I think is a great chapter in the Bible where it talks about Jesus being greater. This is our whole series, that he's better than the patriarchs, he's better than the matriarchs, he's better than the prophets, he's better than the kings. He's better than John the Baptist. Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater whether you believe it or not. See, it's not our faith that makes him greater. He just simply is greater. But the invitation today is that he's calling you into his greatness. Because when we step into his greatness we ourselves become greater. See, we move when we step into the greatness of Jesus from a life that ends into a life that never ends. When we step into the greatness of Jesus, we move from ourselves being a person that is centered in time into timeless. We move from a person that is really without a heavenly father, called into a family of God. We become his son. We get a name, and he knows it. He knows our name. Because in the moment that we step and believe the greatness of Jesus, that he's our savior, that he died for us, is the moment that we ourselves become greater. So what is faith? Hebrews 11, if you haven't read through Hebrews 11, we invited our community to read Hebrews 11 this last week. Did y'all read Hebrews 11? Have you read Hebrews 11? See, some of you have read it, but you don't realize that you have, because it's one of those chapters that I didn't think about how important it is to individuals until I had a few people go, this is my favorite chapter. I love this. My wife is telling me this week that she listens while she runs to the Bible. So as she's running, she's listening to it on her phone. And because you can't always pause it, you know, with the actual verses you're supposed to read, she just listened to the whole chapter. And she's just, it was so encouraging to listen to this over and over and over again this week. So this morning, I want us to spend a little bit of time in Hebrews chapter 11. We're actually going to go through the whole chapter. I am going to go verse by verse, but part of it I'm just going to read because it stands alone. So don't worry, we won't be here all day, but we are going to go verse to verse because there's so many important 
revelations of God in this chapter. Not only from the eyes of the past, but the eyes of the present. And as we look forward to the future. So verse 1. Chapter 11 in Hebrews. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That we now... That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. See, hope is based in reality. It's not wishful thinking. So when he's talking about those things that have been seen, those things that we hope in, those promises that we believe, God is inviting us to trust him. That's really easy to say, isn't it? It's easier to say when things are going well, when you go, oh, it's well with me. It's harder to say when they're not so awesome, or at least we don't think so. God is faithful, and that's why we trust him. In fact, Jesus invited Thomas to do the same in John chapter 20. He said one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe. I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. I put my fingers into them and I place my hand into the wound and side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound into my side. Don't be faithless any, any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Now those that we're going to be reading about here that exhibited great faith believed that there was one to come. But they were not able to see him. They lived for years waiting for the Messiah. But as the Hebrew writer writes in a reflection of their faith, he writes about what they did because they believed in the promises of God. Verse 4, it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. See, the invitation was given to both Abel and Cain to bring a sacrifice to the Lord. Trust in what they would give to the Lord was good. But they went about it in two different ways. Abel, he was a shepherd. So he went out, and as I imagine it, Abel went out and looked at his flock and he said, you are the best lamb. 
You're the most beautiful one, the most precious one. You're the one that could bring a future flock that's awesome. So I'm going to sacrifice you and take you to the Lord. The way I imagine Cain going out to get his sacrifice is that he was a farmer and he had fields. He grew stuff. And basically he said, oh, I got to get a sacrifice for the Lord. So he walked out in his field, cut some off, and then brought it to the Lord. Now there's a different way of posture, right? One approaches the Lord with awe and wonder and with thanksgiving, but most importantly with trust. That he could give his best and the Lord would not rest making sure he was provided for. The other one, maybe approached the Lord out of obligation and didn't care what he offered. Now, when I think about us today and how we can connect to this, is that when we're asked to give our tithe or our offering or check for the church, some of us may just look in our wallet real quick and throw out whatever we got. Some of us may say, I have to do this because I think Aaron is looking. Some of us may go, I'll do this, but it's only because my parents told me it's a good thing. Or I'll do this because I've done this forever and this is what you do. Now, not too many of us are in that camp, <laughs> but some of us are. And we've almost lost the sense of pausing and saying, is this my best? And when I give, am I actually believing that I'm placing it before the altar of the Lord? And saying, here, Lord, I trust you. I trust you that I can give you my entire best. And you will provide for me. I can give you what I set aside for a new business thinking that was my future. And I know you will still provide. I know we're not there. But the invitation is there. The invitation to trust and let go of the things that we so tightly hold on to, that is what Abel speaks to us from the grave. He walked in the presence of the Lord and he knew the Lord would take care of him. We're invited to do that. Verse 5, it is by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. I love the story of Enoch. I remember as a little kid learning this in Sunday school and going, oh, I would love to be Enoch. 
I bet not too many kids said, I want to be Enoch. Did anyone say you wanted to be Enoch? I wanted to be Enoch. Because I thought, how awesome would that be? You wouldn't die. You'd just be out there walking. And the Lord would go, come on, Aaron. Now you want to be Enoch, huh? No fear of dying. But see, Enoch lived his life differently. Enoch lived as if not wishful thinking. But he lived believing that the Lord was with him every step he took. That's how he walked in faith. He walked in faith knowing that the Lord was with him. So the Lord granted him that by saying, Enoch, come, be with me. He spared him from death. The one punishment that we know comes from sin. Verse 7, it is by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about the things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. See, faith often requires an action, a response. If you believe in someone, you respond. Think about that. If someone is your leader and you believe in them, you often respond, right? If they ask you to do something, if you believe in their leadership, what do you do? You do it. Thanks, Vic. You do it because you believe in them. So the invitation the Lord is giving and is displayed through Noah is, he asked Noah to do something. Now we're going to put this in perspective. Noah lived to about 950 years. And yes, I do believe this. He lived for 950 years. He saw a lot of life. It took him from the moment that God said, hey, guess what, Noah? There's going to be a flood. It's going to be like nothing you've ever seen before. I need you to build a boat. Till the time that he finished and loaded the animals and the flood came, it was about 120 years. Now, I know it's hard for us to jump into that 120 years because most of us will not live for 120 years. So it's kind of like, oh yeah, that's a nice story. Let's move on to the next verse so we're not here all day. However, just put it in a ratio, 950 years, 120, it comes out to be, if you would live to about 95 years, and see Noah's one of the older ones. There was only one that lived older. His name was Methuselah. He lived to 969. No one wants to be Methuselah. I didn't want to be Methuselah. Just Enoch. So Noah lived to 950 years. He worked on an ark loaded animals, prepared for a flood for 120. That's about 11 years of our life if we would live 95 years. Don't check my math right now. <laughs> when was the last time you said, I will be committed for 11 years that no matter what people say or think, no matter how many times someone says, that is a waste of your time, no matter how much people go, I can't believe you believe in God and you're going to do that. 
that we said, my career is on hold, everything is on hold, I'm going to do this because the Lord asked me to do this. It's obedience, right? I mean, the only thing I can think of was going to Venezuela for two years. Because I believe the Lord is saying, you need to go be a missionary in a foreign land. And I heard that voice and I said, I'm going to do it unless there's an obstacle to do it. Right? <laughs> unless it's too big. And everything I thought of, not enough money, wouldn't be able to go, no one would take me, all those kind of things. He just split the waters and let me walk through. But that was two years. So I have a saying, and everybody on staff knows, that I believe you can do anything for two years. No matter how hard it is, you can do it for two years. But I don't say to them, no matter what it is, you can do it for 11 years. Noah did the ark. You guys can do this. Now, I've worked with Jason for almost 11 years. So you can do anything for 11 years. <laughs> it requires action. Because he followed and believed and trusted that the Lord would be in it with him, he was saved. He was saved. And then the Lord made sure that the world was saved through his sons, his grandchildren, that eventually would be connected to Jesus. Verse 8, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the, inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Faith allows you to move forward. It allows you to move forward from the things that are awful. In Abraham's case, everything he had at that point was really good. He was known as a powerful man. He had a lot of stuff. But God said, trust me, you can leave it all behind. I have an inheritance that you don't know what it is. And in fact, when you get there, you're going to feel like I gave you nothing because you're going to be a foreigner. You're going to live in tents. You're not going to feel like there's permanence. But the inheritance is coming. In fact, you may not see it completely, Abraham. Your sons may not even completely see it, but it will be for you. He could have stayed and thought that where he was at was more comfortable and not obeying God would be better. Now, how often do we do that? I mean, I did it this week, I think. I may do it daily. Like, hear what the Lord is inviting me into. Last week I talked about don't let five seconds elapse 
because we'll justify or think our way out of it? How many times do I go, this is really comfortable, and if I have to go do this, that's uncomfortable. So why would I do that, Lord? Do you mean I really have to go talk to that person that makes me uncomfortable? Because I'm fine right here. How many times did you do that this week? Well, I'll just, I'll talk to myself now because no one raised their hand. Did you do that? You sleeping out there? Because that's comfortable. But right now the Lord is inviting you to wake up. Verse 11. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. We are part of that belief. Because one woman who should not be able to have children from one man who should not, I mean, we won't even get into particulars, but my goodness. They had a child. Made me think yesterday was my grandmother's birthday. I didn't know this until I talked to my mom, who then reminded me that it was my grandmother's birthday, who would have been 112. Now, my mom is 67. So do the math. My grandmother was 45 back in 1949 when she had my mom. Now double that, that's Abraham and Sarah. And I know at the time that my mom was born, people were like, ooh, you're going to be old parents. And then I look at myself and I look at Amari and go, ooh, I'm just repeating the cycle. Can you, I mean, sometimes we think about Abraham and Sarah and the faith that she had to be pregnant and have the child, but we know, those of us who have parents, those of us who made our parents crazy and those of us who are parents, those of us who take care of other people's children that you wish would have better parents, we know that the real jobs after they're born. That's the hard work. Imagine Abraham and Sarah taking care of these, this one child saying, you will bring forth a nation. They had to have been tired, but she believed. She doubted. No, no doubt about it. She doubted. She tried to get another way going with her handmaiden. Didn't go so well. However, she repented and she came back and she said, no, I'll believe. And she is blessed with a child. Verse 13, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. 
but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. See, guys, this is us. God invites us into things, and even though it's new and it's different and we start to experience it, we sometimes think about going back. We sometimes think about the comfort here was better, but God says, stay with me and you will see. Believe in me and believe in my promises and you will see. See, his kingdom shows up when you see someone who's sick and told there's no hope become healthy. Or someone who's sick and they are dying. But in the midst of losing even their life, they find peace. Not every one of us have got to see that or have been invited into a situation where you see that. But it is the most beautiful thing to see someone who has no faith in the moments before their death go, I believe. And peace comes over them. We see his kingdom. We see his kingdom when those who we think cannot be loved are loved. We see his kingdom when our prejudice is removed and we see people as people. We see his kingdom when we can look at someone who has hurt us and we can say, I love you. That's his kingdom working in us, giving us little glimpses of what is to come, giving us little glimpses of how he is making us greater. You didn't come in here today to go, I don't have faith like Abraham. I don't have faith like Isaac. I don't have faith like David. I don't have faith. You came in here because God invited you to be reminded that he is making you greater. Do you believe that? So this next section is all about it was by faith. We're going to read it. It speaks for itself. It shows what happens when faith is an active part of your life. Verse 17, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Verse 20, it was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel will leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. 
It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jepheth, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put on whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from the death. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Some were tested and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. They were too good for this world. Faith does not mean that your life will be without trouble. Instead, it is an invitation to trust. It's an invitation to trust that God thinks you're too good for this world. It's an invitation to trust that God is working in you in the small things that equal greater things. It's an invitation to trust that He is present in your activities, that the choices you make do make a difference, that the invitations that you accept from Him do change the world. So where are you being called to be greater? By simply believing. So my sister went on a marriage retreat this last summer. And sometimes when you hear that, you're like, ooh, was their marriage going down the tubes? Actually, no, it's like pretty constant, right? Not like constantly going down, but just constant. It's like a marriage. And what... What she was really, her personality, if you don't know my sister Addie, and she probably would kill me if she knew I was saying all this, but she's not here. She's in Nebraska, so it doesn't matter. But she 
does not like these things. Like, she doesn't like touchy-feely things. Do we have any people that don't like touchy-feely things? Okay. Only a few of you. She doesn't like it. She doesn't like to go to these kind of stuff, to have someone tell you, oh, you should be more loving or hug more, do a little, all that kind of stuff. She's kind of a matter-of-fact kind of lady. And so she was dreading going to this marriage retreat, just dreading it. But she was feeling obligated because the two other pastors and their wives went on this retreat earlier, and her husband is a church worker at the same church. And so they said it'd be good for him to go and experience it too. And since she is his wife, she had to go. So she went on this retreat, and I waited for about a week, and then I called her to say, well, how did it go? Thinking, she's going to tell me how stupid it was and how ridiculous it was and that they had to have, like, a safe place for them to sit and talk and all this kind of stuff that she would say is ridiculous. And she said, which surprised the heck out of me, it was really good. She goes, I was surprised they invited us to listen for the Lord's voice in our marriage. And I heard a couple things. Now, this is like huge for my sister. I mean, huge. And I was so excited for her. She goes, one of the first things I believe the Lord is inviting me into is to pray with those that I work with. She's a public school teacher. She teaches the second grade. And she has a team of about three or four ladies that she teaches with. She goes, so I'm going to go back. And remember, this is in the summer. And I'm going to start out the morning in prayer with my team. Well, Sarah and I, Sarah has done this often at her school. And so we were like, that's awesome. We really want to encourage you. Well, Harvey happened and everything else here. And we realized we hadn't really asked her about that. And Sarah remembered, and she asked how it was going. And all of a sudden, I heard my sister saying where she was was better than where God was inviting her into. So she said, well, we got this new second grade math curriculum. It's really, taking a hard, it's really hard for everyone to get a handle on, so I just haven't had the time to pray. And it's real busy, and one of the teammates, they don't get there on time. And so it's hard to figure out when we should do this. And Sarah so eloquently said, you're making this too complicated. And so we challenged her to pray. Sarah calls her again a week later. Have you done it? She has not done it. And so instead of going, I can't believe you haven't done it. The response was, Addie, let me pray with you. And it broke her. Now, I don't know if she prayed then on Friday. This is this week with her team. But we haven't given up encouraging her to go where the Lord has invited her to go, to believe that when he says and invites you into something. He is there with you. And a small step could change 
the lives of these teachers, but even more so, change the life of my sister and remind her that she is precious and important in the kingdom of God. That God has graciously put his faith that she would bring his kingdom in that school, in that small town of Nebraska. My hope that as we read through Hebrews 11 today, that we would be encouraged, that we wouldn't be ashamed that we have failed to do things before, because that has been forgiven and a new day has started. But instead, we would start to hear that invitation from the Lord in our area where He's placed us for whatever He has placed on your heart to do. That you wouldn't walk out of here and just go, I'm going to come back to the normal because that other stuff is too scary. But I'm going to take a step of faith and believe that when I go there, He begins to make me greater. I start to experience His kingdom even more. So that on that day when Jesus comes again, I am fully excited for the changes that take place. I am ready for everything to be restored. And I get to look out and perhaps see one or two people that are standing with me because on that one time, I took the Lord's invitation and spoke His words to them. Pray that my sister would have faith and that she'd follow through on what she believed the Lord had put on her heart. And may this be your verse from Philippians. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Because Jesus is making you greater through his greatness. Jesus is making you greater because he is great. Jesus is making you and challenging you and inviting you to live in faith. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. May we have faith. And where we're struggling, if we know someone's struggling, may we step alongside of them and represent Jesus to them today and encourage them. And you know who they are already. Perhaps it's your wife, perhaps it's your son, perhaps it's your daughter. But perhaps the Lord is just saying, remind them, I'm with them. And I will not leave them. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've given us this time to reflect on faith. The writer of Hebrews gave us this incredible chapter. And we can't do justice talking through it in just a short amount of time. But I pray that it would speak to us the rest of this week. Perhaps even the rest of our lives. May we remember that 
the task that you have given us to represent you is not a small one. But sometimes we take small steps in order, in order to accomplish it. So in those small steps, Lord, invite us and remind us that as together as a family, we can do this together on mission. That we can encourage one another as a church called Oikos. And as Oikos, the church, we can encourage other churches to do the same. That we are to live by faith. Not rest in our own power. Not try to make ourselves greater. But instead, step into your greatness and see the changes begin. May transformation fill our lives and give us stories to share with one another. All pointing to you and the work that you did on the cross, assuring us that our life will not end. It has only just begun. In your name we pray. Amen.